The following program is brought to you free of charge by the sponsorship of Novos Ordo Watch. See for yourself that the Church of the Second Vatican Council is not in fact the Catholic Church of the Ages. Go to NovosOrdoWatch.org. That's NovosOrdoWatch.org. Welcome back to Pastoralia on member-supported Restoration Radio. I'm your host, Stephen Heiner, and with us for the season finale of this season is Father Stephen McKenna. Father McKenna, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Stephen. So we saved the most controversial for, for last, Father. Is that is that was our plan? Yeah, I think so, and probably one of the more delicate of topics, I believe. It's one of those rare topics that traditional Catholics disagree on. I know that we don't disagree on much, but <clears throat> if we did disagree... One might argue that since this isn't something that the church has ruled on, it's left for parents to decide. And our topic today, if you weren't paying attention to the show description when you clicked to listen, is vaccines. And yes, Father, I'm I'm going to I'm going to frame it our discussion to start in that way. The church hasn't ruled on it, Father. Therefore, it's left to parents to make a prudential decision. That's that's correct, uh, Stephen. And I think this is one of the, the, the biggest points is that, you know, we'll, we'll re-hit upon it as we go through the this, that um, the parents need to be the ones in control of their children, what is put into their children, in this case, in the way of vaccines, as they would be in terms of food or, the, or how they, um, help, you know, healthcare, drink, whatever it may be. They need to be the ones that make those what they believe is the prudent decision for their children. This certainly falls into that that category of uh, of what should be really remaining a parental right for parents. But with that, it's very important, as we'll get into later, that parents do take the time to be educated and and, and researched into what their children are actually uh, being put through or, or injected with, with with in terms of vaccines or anything else, food, drink, you know, society, et cetera, that they should do their research. They should be a little bit aware of what's going on. Hopefully we'll do a little bit of that. But in terms of the morality of vaccinations, it's something that has more recently um, been really seemed to have come back up again as controversial. Um, and it seems to go through kind of waves of of the next email or the next letter or pamphlet that goes out there in the way of sort of scare tactics one way or the other, whether it be scare tactics of it's completely wrong and immoral to vaccinate your children or you're an absolute monster to society if you do not vaccinate your children. And uh, again, as we come back, the Catholic point is is somewhere in the middle of that, the, the, the middle road for those things. Um, now, the morality question that seems to, to always sneak back towards us is regarding what is known as a fetal cell line uh, tissue. That in some vaccines, um, there are cells from aborted fetuses that are used as 
essentially, to stay out of the weeds in terms of too much science in that, essentially as a delivery system for the strains of virus or whatever it may be that they're, they're vaccinating against. Um, and so uh, in some of the vaccines, not all of them, uh, they do use aborted fetal tissue, which is a horrible thing. It is a, an absolute terrible thing to understand that it happens. Now, what we need to understand from a Catholic point of view, when we look at something like um, a vaccine, is the question, is that sufficient to make vaccines in and of themselves immoral? That's the, the number one crux, because we know abortion to certainly be immoral and can't be supported by any Catholic. Uh, can one vaccinate their kids if they know that this certain vaccine has aborted cell strains in it? Now, the, the short answer to that is, yes, they can. Uh, it is permissible. And the reason why is a little bit complex. So if it's all right, I kind of like to lay out the reasoning behind it, the principles behind well, That's it. why we're here, Father. So it's the, first and foremost, we have to understand the ways that we can participate in sin. So if an abortion is a sin, and, uh, you know, by, by receiving a, a vaccine using aborted fetal tissue, in a way, we are participating in that sin of abortion. Now, the question is, is it sinful for ourselves to the degree that of participation that we have? So first and foremost, you have to make a couple of points. One is that there are two types of participation. It, there's a material participation in an action, and there's a formal participation in an action. A material participation in an action is whenever we are in some way, shape, or form uh, physically connected to the act that is done. Um, and uh, you know whether we have done it ourselves, we are aiding somebody by some means to do so. By, you know, if you... For instance, Stephen, we're going to rob a bank, and I were to give you a gun. That's or drive a, the getaway car. Or drive the getaway car, right. That's a, a material participation. A formal participation is the act of the will that we, I, am, I am wanting to help you to succeed to that end. Now, more often than not, those two things go together. So if I'm the getaway driver of a bank robbery... I am not only driving the car, but I want to be helping you to get away from that bank robbery. I'm assisting you in that way. So I have both the material and the formal participation in the action. Whereas, however, if I am a gun salesman and you come into my store and go through all the procedures of buying a gun and, and there's no, nothing standing in your way to do so, and you then therefore purchase the gun from me, and then go commit a crime, have I participated in a way materially to, to help you with that crime? Yes, I have. I've given you a tool that, that you are going to use. Or maybe more accurate, let's say, uh, you know, for material participation, I'm your neighbor and you ask me to borrow um, a pry bar, right? 
Now, if I think you're just doing a construction project, <laughs> I was going to say, who? Just in case you have a, a, a crowbar lying around, right? Exactly. Could I borrow it? Yeah. So you know, I mean, you know, if you have tools at your house, so you know, you come to my house and you ask me for a pry bar, and and I think you're doing a construction project at home. I, I have no reason to doubt you. I lend you my pry bar. I've materially participated in you using that to break open a window to get into a building. But I have no idea that that's what you're going to do it for. And if I had known, I would not have lent it to you. So I have a material participation in that sense, but but I have no formal participation. And so therefore, I haven't sinned in materially participating in doing so um, because the action I did itself was not an evil action. Um, and so, so there's that difference. Now, there's also another distinction to be made in terms of actions, which is the level of participation. There's uh, remote participation, and there's proximate participation, meaning, and kind of ends up being more of a scale, or a, if you will, than than really like a, a true distinction. But in, in the ways of remote or proximate, if I'm if I see you dressed in black with a ski mask on and uh, and uh, and gloves on your hands and fellow ski masked, belaclavid wearing uh, men in a car idling by my street corner and you come to my house and ask me for a pry bar and you have over your shoulder a bag that says like jewelry on it, then I and you asked to borrow a pry bar. Now, I have a much more proximate participation in your sin because I know something's going on. I, you haven't told me that you're going to 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 rob a bank, but I can come to that conclusion. So to go back now. to this example, seeing all those things would be a proximate material participation versus you coming to me before the robbery and I'm your neighbor, remote material. Correct, because of the fact that it's, it's you know the more directly involved with something that you are, and so um, you know in that regard, it's I have a better understanding of what you're probably going to do, and so therefore my giving you of the pry bar is now closer to that end of uh, of robbing the bank than it is towards than if I had no idea whatsoever. I just and I had nothing to believe other than that you were a good citizen. Same thing with you know, and now the other. Way to look at it would be, um, you know, in terms of, let's say, um, I know you're robbing a bank and I give you my pry bar for that purpose. But I, that pry bar doesn't belong to me. It belongs to my neighbor who lends it to me because I told him that I needed a pry bar. And so he lends me the pry bar and I lends it to you. He's further removed. So that is, you know, uh, that, uh, that is not approximate participation, but a remote, uh, a remote participation because he's physically further away down the chain of, of usage. And so therefore, uh, the risk of, of guilt in, in cooperation is either diminished or, or completely removed. So the further away from an from a action you become, the less or the less guilt or complete removal of guilt potentially that, that occurs. Now, when we think of vaccines, what we end up having here is something that is both remote and um, and material only in the cooperation of the action that is evil, i.e. that of the abortion that took place. Now, 
then we have to look to the next part of that as to what action are we doing ourselves? Is that a justifiable action? So in this case, we're, we're looking at it and saying there's a said disease and that disease is purported to be treated by receiving this medical practice of a vaccine. So the action is receiving a shot of medicine in, in a sense. It, you know, then when I look at that, what type of action is that? Is that a morally good action? Is it a morally indifferent action? Or is it a morally evil action? We can dismiss morally evil off the equation because none of those things is something that is in and of itself wrong. Um, and so we can say it's at least morally indifferent and potentially morally good in, in and of itself. So, so as an action alone, receiving the vaccine removed, you know, without getting into what's in the vaccine is morally indifferent or good. And then from there, we look at, okay, I know some of them have aborted fetal tissue in them. So is my participation in that proximate or remote or remote? Well, my participation in that would be certainly remote and, and very remote because of all of these strains of, uh, of vaccines that are used in the United States, there are, I believe, five fetal tissue lines that uh, come from, meaning that there, uh, there are only five um, procured fetuses that were used for the entirety of all the vaccines uh, for cell lines, uh, de for developing vaccines. So from those, so each vaccine that uses a, a fetal tissue line uses uh, fetal tissue from one line only. And so in that case, you could think of it as coming from one human being, unfortunately. But it's, and those uh, abortions happened between 1960 and 1985, meaning that, that in that time frame, there was an abortion that had happened and that that uh, child was then their body after it was procured, their body was um, was taken and then the parts of it re were used for drawing cell lines out for fetal tissue line development of vaccines and things like that. And we have not had to use different children since then. And so therefore, all the development, all of those things, I am so far down that line removed when you think of how many people have received vaccines over the years and how many tests have been done and all those type of things. I am so far removed from the initial action of the vaccine creation or from the idea of, of the abortion itself that I can sufficiently say that my participation in and of itself is not sinful because of its remoteness towards that. Now and then I have to look at it and say, am I materially participating or formally participating in that, that uh, abortion? Well, I didn't do anything to procure the abortion. I didn't do anything to... to um, to develop the vaccine. If it was up to me, I would never have done anything that remotely touched upon those things. And I'm merely receiving the, the quote unquote, I guess you could say, um, you know, far down the line fruits of, of that, that evil action that have come. And, um, and so because of its remoteness and because of the fact that I'm not formally doing anything to participate in it, it, and the action is at least indifferent, then I can, with a clear conscience, without having committed sin, utilize a vaccine for myself 
um, in or for a child. So, so in terms of the sinfulness for a human being, we can say uh, with full confidence that our participation in that in and of itself is not a sinful action. There's a lot of things that came up as confusion uh, they do from time to time. And especially this summer, it's seen, this past summer, it seems to be really a big hot button topic because there was... Say this summer, you mean the summer of 2019? 2019, correct. So this that in 2019, there was an email that seemed to be making its way around. And a lot of people were asking about what um, the morality for it was. Because the, in this email, which I think had links to LifeSite News... Um, that was talking, which is a pro-life uh, um, website, was talking about how in the development of, of vaccines, that all the new vaccines coming out, a lot of them are using aborted fetal tissue lines. And in, in developing those, they're repeatedly procuring new and more abortions for that end. And the, it's simply not true. Now, I say that not as just some guy that happened to like Google on the internet, but I say that having talked to, to people that I know that have doctorates, doc, that is a doctor of biochemistry and knows all of the ins and outs of, of these things and provided me with the entire list of vaccines that have a, uh, aborted fetal tissue and what their cell lines come from and what times the frames those, those cell lines, those abortions had happened and, and everything like that and explained the whole entire means that it worked and uh this person is a is a traditional catholic as well so and um and so to 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 ensure that what i say now is at least as of the date that we're recording this anyways is true uh and that that information that had gone around is not genuine um what seems to have happened is they gravitated towards information coming out of and overinflated, they overinflated and gravitated towards information about vaccines and uh, being researched and developed in areas like China, um, where they are regularly um, trying to develop their own vaccines. And they do not have the same scruples about that type of stuff as they don't have the same scruples, don't have any scruples they are at all, really. And so they are far more. Um, ready and willing to um, continually, um, you know, procure new abortions to, to do these things. And, but the reality of it is anywhere in the United States, for sure, and more than likely anything in the United, uh, in the, the European Union or Western Europe or places like Australia and things like that, most of those developed countries would never, ever accept any kind of pharmaceutical whatsoever from a place like China. And so therefore, um, none of our vaccines, as of, like I said, as of the recording of this, have, have anything to do with that, um, that type of uh, situation that is, is going on in China. And so I, you know, because it was coming up so regularly and because I had even had unfortunately seen some clergy, traditional clergy out there that had, um, without doing research and very flippantly just said, well, this is a game changer and you can't parents are no longer allowed to um, to uh, vaccinate their kids, putting kind of like a real burden upon parents to, to now make a medical decision based on just one simple saying from a priest without having really dug into it a bit. Um, you know, I, I wanted to make sure that to take the time to lay it out properly, to explain the morality and to say, no, that's not, that's not accurate, that, that it is truly up to you as a parent what decision to make on vaccinating your, your children. Um, and it should be one that based on 
what you think is best for your child's health, not taking, uh, not with the worry about whether you are sinning because of participation in, in abortion that had happened to procure the vaccine that is there. But I think people would talk about the idea of, of feelings, and we always talk about the danger of, of making decisions based on feelings. Like, Father, but but it feels wrong mm-hmm. um, because abortion is such a horrific yes. uh, thing in our minds. But I think once you make that connection, say, okay, I, I lent you the crowbar. I found out that you killed somebody with the crowbar. Right. You would feel bad. Absolutely. So, oh, oh my gosh, my crowbar was used to kill that person. But nine out of ten traditional Catholics would not then say, I killed I, I part, you know, I participated in, uh, you were some part of it, but it wasn't something that you knew about. Yes. And so that becomes mitigated. And so the same sense here, yes, there was this horrible abortion that, that cannot be changed Mm -hmm. that happened. However, it's similar to the crowbar was something that someone else did, not that you did, and that it's come down in, in this line now. Right. And it's something that is available to you. So I think up to this point, we've simply spoken about the morality of it. Correct. And I think I think a good way for us as priests that we look at it and sometimes it might be helpful for people to understand that difference between the feeling and the and that kind of visceral reaction to something like that versus where in in the terms of, of true morality it lies. Is that as a priest, I think of it in terms of sacrament of confession. Um, for the sacrament of penance, in order to be able to you know, the the material, so the matter for for a valid confession is sin. You have to have sin in order to be, in order for me to give a person absolution or in confession, I have to have heard sin in some sense come forward from them in order to forgive them. If a person were to come to me and say to me, forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. I lent somebody a crowbar in good faith and they killed somebody with it. After I had lent it, I had no idea that they were going to do that. And I had no way of knowing that. What I would have to say then is, you, I cannot forgive you for that because there's, wasn't nothing, a sin. there's nothing to forgive. There's no sin there. So in order for me to give you absolution, you need to at least express sorrow for past sins or give me some other different sin. And the same thing would happen if you, you came to me and said, forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. I got my child vaccinated um, when they were a baby. I could not give you absolution for that. I would have to ask you for a different sin because it would not be in and of itself a sin. That is is totally disconnected to whether you decide whether you want to vaccinate to some either your child or not, or choose to get these type of shots like a flu shot or something like that. Those two things are, are, are totally separated from each other. Whether we're talking morality only now, and we can get into the the, the practicality of it or the the suitability for that or helping in making decisions for that. Uh, afterwards, but uh, but for the, the strictly only for the morality part, a parent can choose to do so of their own volition without guilt of conscience. Sure, and I think our listeners now have it clear that it's a morally indifferent question. Correct. Insofar as if you choose to vaccinate, you will not be incurring sin, even if the vaccine delivery system comes from one of these cell lines. Correct. Okay, so now. Moving on to what may be an even hotter topic, I suppose, because uh, you can't really dispute moral theology and Correct. church teaching. So uh, I hope that there aren't uh, aren't listeners or faithful out there thinking that that's debatable. What we want to move on to is the, the practical side of things. So do vaccines actually work? Are they helpful? And I think that 
for you and I is, is as people who were vaccinated in an age in which that was quote unquote normal. Yes. Before the dawn of organic food. My <laughs> <laughs> father and I were born very long ago. And our parents, I don't think they really thought about it one way or the other. No. You, 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 were, you were born, uh, where do I sign on the birth certificate? Birth certificate here, okay, we're going to give them a bunch of shots, rubella, mumps, okay, great, here, go ahead, do that. I have to imagine in our generation, when I say our generation, our, our parents, this wasn't a question. The, the, the idea that it was even being questioned, might, there might have been a minority of people that were doing it, but mm-hmm. because it's such a talked about topic now, we know that the, the Overton window has moved and a lot more people are talking about it now. Correct. So you and I have been vaccinated. Yes. On top of that, I went into the military, which means I got some extra vaccinations <laughs> that, that you didn't even get, Father. So we're speaking about this not as people who are participating. We're some people who've already been vaccinated. Correct. For better or for worse. So when we're talking about this, we're talking about families, essentially, who are weighing this decision either for their children mm-hmm. to come or even their current children. Yes. And also, we have to think about it in terms of different countries that have laws about uh, vaccinations. Uh, we know a family in Hungary who, are, even though they homeschool, the state requires certain vaccinations. And he had to procure a particular vaccine because apparently this, this type of vaccine that they had in the European Union had mercury and some other things in it. So he got an acceptable vaccine to the state, but he had to get it from Japan and involved all this transportation and it had to be kept at a certain temperature this whole time. So the question of vaccines is, is a lot more on people's minds. And I, I think most people would be surprised, probably as you and I were in doing research for this for the show, that uh, they're not necessarily so helpful. Correct. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think that that is really a shocker and i think even like one difference to, to know from like you saying you know you and i were vaccinated and then moreover you received multiple vaccines going into the military is that even still we pale in comparison to children being vaccinated today you know i, I believe i saw a statistic that from when we were born in the 80s to children now children by uh, i think it was like two years of age have received 10 times more vaccines than we have in our entire lifetime on average, which then you have to think to yourself, how much stuff am I injecting into a child? And not only just somebody that's a child that I'm, you know, I have to worry about, am I poking with a needle repeatedly, which, you know, is whatever for itself, but, but more, more importantly, you, you have somebody who is truly, you know, in their more vulnerable stage, they're developing, they're, they're, they're growing They're, you know, it's one thing if you inject me with, with stuff as an adult, but as a child that, that has so much more potency and so much more effect or potential negative effect upon them as a child, which is why you vaccinate children in that, that theory, because that idea is that, okay, if the vaccine works, it has a good effect. It'll have more of a good effect on that child. Well, the same is true if there's negative aspects to it that goes into a child. It's going to have a much greater effect to them than, than it would to you or I as, as adults. And yes, what is overlooked by people is what is contained 
in those type of things uh, that they go into them. Now, I'm not going to go through, you know, again, I don't know every single element or whatever for every single vaccine, but in sitting down and talking with, with people that do know about these things, that they do study these things and that have doctorates in these things, you know, the things that they w- would talk about would be one, as you mentioned, to, to start the idea of mercury. Now, mercury, which was uh, also would which would be listed under the name of uh, thimerosal, it was largely removed from vaccines by the year 2000. So that one actually, for most vaccines, is gone, except for those of you who think about going out and getting your flu shot. That still contains that mercury in mm, the flu Good shot. old mercury, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and uh, there are multiple strains of, of, of that type of, uh, of, of flu shot that have that mercury in it not, maybe not every version of the flu shot but most or good you know majority of them have mercury contained in it which if anybody knows it's 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 it is 100 poisonous to you there's no good things that come from mercury being inje- injected into your body whatsoever um it, it is a 100 a poison uh the same thing that is can be said for something that is largely found in most vaccines, which is aluminum. Aluminum is regularly contained in vaccines. Yum. Yeah. So, and aluminum, again, 100% poisonous. There is no medical benefit to having aluminum in in the vaccine. There is no um, gain for it being there. And moreover, it is something that is, uh, you know, there, that is always harmful when contained in, in the bloodstream of human beings. The third uh, very dangerous aspect is that of uh, polysorbate 80, which is a chemical agent that is put into it and is a detergent. That um, mm, and this, more young. yeah, this detergent has a specific. Um, you know, AED is just the, the type of polysorbate that it is, but any of them have this type of effect. Um, and the, the the most common one is, is polysorbate AED. And this detergent has a specific effect where it destroys cell barriers. So um, where it destroys the, the cell walls of your of your cellular structure in your in your in your body. We're not talking about fully developed humans either. We're no, talking about we're talking about for the most, unless you know, unless we're talking about like flu vaccine or something like that, which is received later, but you know, then we're largely talking about you know infants and and toddlers here. Um, along with that, though, comes the the contrary argument from the people that look at it and say, "Well, father," uh, or you know, or Stephen, you know, that's all well and good, but aren't there aluminums and and polysorbates contained in food? And that's a, a valid point to raise up because, again, as you kind of hinted at at the beginning, you know, unless you are eating very like from the earth clean foods, you know, that unless you're really careful to to get truly organic food, uh, not just a thing that just has a stamp on it, organic at the local grocery store, but truly organic food, uh, it's treated with a bunch of chemicals, and yeah, those things are contained in there. Aluminum, polysorbates, those type of aspects are found in some of those foods. You are intake taking them in to your body, and that's not to say that those are good. But where we sometimes look at our food and say, "Well, I don't want to have polysorbate on my food. I don't want aluminum contained in my food," 
you know, that's bad enough. But and we then go and buy organic food. The reality of it is, is that that's far less harmful than receiving a vaccine. First and foremost, yeah, intravenous injection versus something passing through your correct, digestive tract. Correct. The absorption is totally different for, for something that is digested versus injection. Digestion is largely um, is largely passed. That, those things are waste. Those things are not absorbed really very much by your bloodstream in a, in a normal digestive manner. And so therefore they pass contained in your waste when you when you when you go to the restroom. However, injection has 100 percent absorption in the human body, meaning that every ounce of that aluminum, every bit of that polysorbate is now taken into your bloodstream directly because you've had it injected intravenously to you. And and now your body is left to have to cope with those things. Uh, which are essentially poisonous and, and destroyers of, of, of cellular makeup. So it's important to know that that is contained within your your vaccine. Um, next. And I, I was going to say, Father, sure, go ahead. I mean, some of our listeners may like, I already just stop right there and say, well, if Father says there's no health benefit to aluminum mm-hmm. and this is contained, what agenda is going on here that if if i'm being asked to put poisonous stuff and these the people who are making these are ostensibly medical professionals i don't think they need father mckenna to go and tell them that aluminum is harmful 100 of the time and there's no reason there's no medical benefit to it correct I, i think what we have to do in looking at that is draw the difference between your physician and your the person making the pharmaceutical itself. Large, largely speaking in the world today, physicians have, as it were, the, they've drunk the Kool-Aid. You know, they are really, in that sense, they are, they are um, sort of innocent in, in that regard. You know, yes, they have knowledge in science, but their science has largely led to a practical end. That is, okay, in order to prevent diseases, we do these type of things to prevent diseases. In order to, to fight, you know, something that I've contracted, I do these type of medical practices or, or, or medicines to combat those symptoms and those, those type of things. And so when a medical professional looks at that and says, okay, we have rubella. Well, how do we fight against rubella? Well, number one key is one child is born to have them vaccinated against rubella, and this will help prevent them from ever contracting rubella. The, the, the doctor doesn't have to look any more into that and say, wait a second, but what happens if I if we do that? No, this is the standard medical practice. We everybody in in medical uh, training is taught that, and so therefore, I am going to follow by what the books all tell me to do. I'm going to you know um, request that they, they be vaccinated. And I would say that's a, another point to focus on is. Just because it's standard medical practice doesn't mean it's right. No. So there are centuries when people didn't wash their hands. It's true. And they were going to operate. They said, well, it was standard medical practice, Stephen, for me not to wash my hands when I'm going to operate. And it's like, well, but doctor, could you, could you please do that? Yeah. Uh, it's totally different. So the idea that it's standard medical practice, that is insufficient as an argument. Correct. Correct. And and also, it's, uh, it's something that is beyond really their expertise. They know that certain medicines are going to assist in certain diseases or something like that. That's what they're told. And it would take an entire lifetime for them to then have to research what's in every medicine that's recommended to me. What's 
effects could this have? What side effects could this have? What everything like that? And then, um, and then, is it something that I should recommend to my patients and everything? It has to be. You have to have a really special physician, a really somebody who's really truly dedicated to the overall health of their patients and not just trying to to get through and, and do what they're supposed to do. And but in a certain sense, Father, with so many people asking about it these days, I feel that doctors, as you say, the good kind should be asking. It's like the TSA agents who are parented True. to tell you that it's only a chest X-ray when you go through, but it's actually many times more than a chest X-ray when you go through, but they've been told to say that, sure. but they've never bothered to look it up. But if And I think that if you're a doctor, a medical doctor listening to this show, I think it behooves you to look into that. Because clearly, if you're listening to our show and you're a medical doctor, you care. You know, you care about morality. You care about your patients. You care about, you know, what you're giving them. You want to make people better. You want to help people. And so if, if you know, it, it behooves you to really have an open mind, look at these things. And, you know, Steve and I are not experts in, in biochemistry or, or science and things like that. These are things that I've reached out to, to get some experts expertise help in, things that we've researched in coming up for this show. But, um, but it's not like I'm sitting here saying that every single thing that comes from a pharmaceutical company is bad or everything that, that comes from, from a vaccine is automatically evil or, or in terms of like the heart, it could potentially do harm or something like that. I, I don't know that what every vaccine contains. I'm just saying that the, some of them have this stuff and it merits looking into it, merits really doing your research and finding out what am I giving to my patients on this because there is more to the picture than the MCI. Now, the, the second part of that, though, I think where we really want to find it is that you're, what is being, like you said, why this is kind of happening, why you getting these is what pharmaceutical companies have become today the quote-unquote big pharma which as soon as you say big pharma it takes on a kind of like that negative connotation you know pharmaceutical industrial complex but but it's it's true that these people that are that are at the top of the chain of pharmacy companies have no interest in really curing diseases they have no interest in um in the betterment of humanity as a whole they have interest in making whole boatloads of money. And, and, and people don't realize that vaccines are an extremely profitable division. It is a billion-dollar industry, you know, that it, billions of dollars are made from vaccines. Think about next time, you know... And these are for-profit companies. They're not necessarily interested in voting no. down their profits. The United States has, what, 370 million people in, in the United States, Right. I'd say 99% of them are vaccinated in the country. Now think about that in terms of every single person getting your drug. You own a pharmacy company, you develop one vaccine, and you have 370 million people. I mean, this leads to other questions. Why do we have avian bird flu scares that end up not doing anything, and then everyone runs for vaccines, and vaccines cost a lot of money? Correct, yes. And so, and those things, yeah, we, we think about, oh, I have, so many of us have insurance, and what else? and so it's just, oh, I got my vaccine, and I'm done, and I don't really have to think too much about it, or whatever. But if you look at the bill, it's like, find out what that vaccine really, like, monetarily costs. You know, it took three seconds for them to stick it into your arm. And somehow it ends up being oftentimes several hundreds of dollars in costs that your insurance company is paying for. Why? Because 
you know that that is the bottom line of of, of pharmaceuticals is largely is is these are for profit companies like you said and they make profit huge profit from these things and so and it's disingenuous on our part to think that that why would somebody want to pull the wool over our eyes on that because money speaks louder than than anything else and it's not just money but we have statute laws on the book so for example people have been uh, permanently disabled because of vaccines mm-hmm. they've died because of vaccines yes uh, there's always the i want to say darkly humorous situation of someone getting a flu shot and then proceeding to get the flu yes but in the United States, people should pay attention to the fact that it is not legal to sue vaccine companies for death or disability. Correct. And Why did that happen? Because those companies lobbied for that. They correct. do not want to be held responsible. And if vaccines are safe, yes. why do they need to be indemnified? And it's due to the lobbying and due to the difficulty in, in the, the proofing of that it came from there. Because the things that you... Because I don't think people realize the wide swath of, of medical problems that can be traced potentially to what could come from a vaccine. And, you know, I mean, like cancer, for instance, would be one thing that you might get from smoking, you might get from too much time in the sun, or you might have developed because you got a vaccine. How are you ever going to prove that you got that from there. But the reality of it is, is that those those vaccines that we talked about having, like, that used fetal tissue, you know, that uh, for the vaccines, they they used it. Why? Because they that each cell of that fetal tissue has a DNA strand in it. And so they can link up, they can link up DNA to the shell of the virus and have it injected into the, to the child with that idea of that it's a it's a dormant virus that is now going to uh, generate antibodies for for destruction that will prevent the future getting of whatever thing you're doing in that regard. But what people don't realize is that in any person at any time, cells are constantly dividing within you, and when they do so, off sometimes the what happens when you know we all kind of remember like in school learning about dna and how it looks like a kind of like a twisted zipper and as it divides it splits like this it splits apart like a zipper does and then it recombines with other pieces of dna to match back up in two separate cells again but what happens sometimes is that it fractures at its ends and there's this random bits and pieces of dna that float around in your bloodstream at any given time well, when it fractures, your own DNA then replaces those bits that may break off from it. But when we get injected with this uh, from a vaccine's point of view, what ends up happening is a homologous recombination, which is that you now have foreign DNA. And that foreign DNA, while it is close to your DNA because it's human DNA, it is not your DNA. And so when it matches up, it's, it's very... Um, very capable of matching up improperly, meaning, and then what you end up having is mutation. And when you have mutated cells, that is, by definition, cancer. That's what cancer is. It is a mutation of cells that take place. And so you have a proclivity towards cancer in that potentially, not absolutely, but potentially because of the variants of DNA that are being injected to your body. The other aspect 
of mutation, what those things can be linked to, it always depends on where the mutation takes place. It's in your bloodstream, you know, so it goes everywhere within you. So, you know, but that's just where these are the types of causes that you that you hear when in the news sometimes even about how, you know, autism can, it, uh, a lot of people are starting to realize that there is no way that autism and the increase in vaccines, you know, that both of them are, uh, that they're not connected to each other. You know, it's been shown, um, you know, that, but you, like you said, you can't sue the pharmaceutical company, but, you know, that there are links between autism and vaccines, autoimmune diseases, MS, lupus, cancer, like, the, like I said, the list goes on and on about the different things that, that take place because of mutations you know, on a cellular level, away, apart from the, po- the poisonous stuff that's in there, <laughs> the mutations caused by, by uh, vaccines or potentially caused by that. Um, so again, you know, is, um, as a parent, you have to ask yourself, you know, is that a risk that I'm willing to take for my child? You know, uh, you know, if the, the act of vaccinating is, is indifferent itself, but I say now all of a sudden my risk of these things goes up. And, uh, and I see vaccination as the most extreme situation on a spectrum that goes all the way down to drinking Coke, mm-hmm. which I consider Coke objectively poisonous, mm-hmm. right? But are you going to die if you have a Coke? No, yeah. right? But if you have Coke very frequently, there's going to be damage to your system that's just medically provable. Then a step up from that, GMO foods, mm-hmm. right? This isn't a show about GM episode about GMO foods. We're not going to talk about GMO foods today, although some GMOs are included in vaccine delivery. Mm-hmm. That's that's a fact. You take a calculated risk when you eat GMOs. Correct. Step up from that, vaccines. And I think because this is something that you usually decide for someone else, yeah. we're not in the position. So we as Catholics, we decide whether we want to be confirmed, right? right? Of course, our parents will encourage us to do this, but ultimately you have to decide you want to be confirmed, whereas your parents decide you get baptized. So you're making a decision for someone else. So in this case, 99 times out of 100, parents are, they're not going to say, well, I'll let my kid research and decide whether he wants to get vaccinated when he gets Correct. older, right? This is something that you're making as a decision for someone else. So it should not be made casually. Nope. It should be made with some research and study. And you shouldn't just take people's words for it. You didn't. You don't take people's words for it when it comes to the Novus Ordo. Correct. You don't take people's words for it when it comes to Luminous Mysteries. Why is it that vaccines are off limits? Exactly. And, and, and you know, what you have to think to yourself is that, you know, because uh, you know the, what? What we've laid out here is is simply factual. You can you can go and, and look and see what is in a vaccine. You can find the you know the chemical compounds of a vaccine. You can find out how DNA is replicated and and you know and pieces are fused together and how injecting foreign DNA into your body would have negative possible negative consequences to you to your body. You can find out these things. Um, you know, in research, we've done a little bit for you here. Now, there are schools of thought that, you know, people question whether even they work or not. I'm not, you know, I'm not qualified to to, to say that or not. Although I will say you can read these news stories about these breakouts of measles or whatever, and it's vaccinated kids that get sick. Correct. What you shouldn't be done, what shouldn't happen is you shouldn't be scaremongered into vaccinating just because somebody's going to shout at you and say, well, you know, 
dare you? Yeah, exactly. That if you know, if you don't vaccinate your kids, then you're going to be, you know, you could potentially lead a pandemic in in our society. How is that possible? If all of their kids actually got vaccinated and your kid is the only one that didn't, guess where the ones are going to die off? Right. It's not going to be the the people that are vaccinated if these things are truly working. Now, why they're afraid of that, you know, is a good question to ask about those things. You know, I don't know, but but the, it, I think it's I think it's more just a scare tactic to try to force people to do what you know, step in line, take your pill, and and be a good citizen. You know, and do I see whatever. It, it's in the same does. position as climate change. You yeah. cannot question it. They're called climate deniers. I'm sure there's vaccine deniers. Yes. There's every denier denier possible. But mm-hmm. the question is. Why are people so hysterical about it? If it's just a crazy conspiracy theory, then why not just talk about it? Yeah, exactly. And people can be convinced one way or the other. Yeah, if there's nothing to hide, why get up in arms about it? And uh, and so, I mean, and that's the thing, you know, like whether they're effective or not, that is something that, you know, people need to do research about and figure out, you know, how much of a risk is there to you to get measles? Yeah, first off, like if you got measles, what happens to you? I mean, because people used to get measles all the time, and usually people didn't die from them. You know, I, uh, I got chickenpox. I don't know if you did, Father. I got chickenpox too. Yeah, somehow I survived. When we were kids, what what did your parents do when they heard the neighbor got chickenpox? They sent you over to get chickenpox <laughs> because that way you got and it. And I got my got my delicious oatmeal baths. That's right. Then you got it as a kid, and wasn't near as dangerous as when you got it as an adult. Um, so, but when you're you're you know, I think your analogy towards Coke and towards other things like that. Is, is good to a point. And this is where you, parents have to do the research for their, their kids. Because the thing is, is that we choose regularly, every single one of us, to do things that you could say, objectively speaking, aren't good for you. We choose to drink the Coke. You choose whether or not you're going to smoke a cigarette. Or a delicious pipe. You're right. Or a delicious pipe. Or you choose whether or not you're going to eat that, you know, that that thing from mcdonald's or you know or Or the tiramisu or the tiramisu anything at all we're constantly making these decisions and sometimes you say you know what the the you know i'm not going to live forever and the pros always the cons and i'm not doing anything that's gonna you know like i'm not gonna keel over i'm not drinking arsenic here i'm not not gonna (laughs) die right now you know maybe you may be in the long run i'll live a little bit shorter life because i because i've done these things but but the you know whatever it happens we're choosing to do that to ourselves, we're for, our, for ourselves. But here's the thing. Vaccines are different because you're not choosing to do that for yourself any longer. You're choosing to do that for your child. And you're choosing to do that for somebody who's not an adult, but somebody who's small and tiny. And these things have a much more uh, exacerbated effect upon them than it would have upon an adult. And you have to think and ask yourself, is this the best decision for my child? The answer is yes, then you can do so with a clear conscience because there is nothing immoral in and of itself of having a vaccine, uh, giving a vaccine, receiving a vaccine. If the answer is no, then you can not vaccinate your kids with a clear conscience, regardless of what the society tells you that you have an onus to do. And if the answer is somewhere in between where you choose ones that you think are beneficial and leave out ones that you think may be harmful, that's okay too. But you, what we want you to do is to look into these things. Don't just do it because your doctor says 
this is what you have to do. Remember, you're, you know, nine out of 10 doctors out there are also the ones that if there's, if they were to do a scan and see that your child were to have Down syndrome, would be the ones to say, you know, it's the right thing to do, just have an abortion now. Mm -hmm. So to conclude, getting a vaccine is in and of itself morally indifferent, as we talked about in the first part of this episode. Correct. But for those parents now knowing that it's morally indifferent and looking at the dangers that Father and I have discussed, it is in your best interests. And in a, say, in a certain sense, Father, morally incumbent upon you to do the research mm -hmm. before making that decision. Correct. Again, I don't think the parent that does no research is necessarily sinning per se. But, but once you've listened to this episode. Once you've listened to this episode, I think the caring heart of parents looking at it, you say to themselves, I have to know what I'm doing. I, I have to at least know a bit about what I'm going to do to my own kids. I care about my kids too much to, to be uh, blissfully ignorant about that any longer. And I will take the time to, to look into this a bit and see what I can find. Well, Father, with that, we close this season of Pastoralia. Thank you for your hard work as we, we put in recording these episodes. And I'm sure our listeners, like myself, are happy to have you back on the network and continuing to give some pastoral advice. Oh, very welcome. Thank you. This program was brought to you free of charge by the sponsorship of Novus Ordo Watch. See for yourself that the Church of the Second Vatican Council is not in fact the Catholic Church of the Ages. Go to NovusOrdoWatch.org. That's NovusOrdoWatch.org.